So we got a few days left for Christmas, and I have a sermon that doesn't work anywhere except today. Get your Bibles out and go to Hebrews chapter 1. My question is, what's God like and why did he come? What is he like? Why did he do what he did? We celebrate every year. We celebrate Christmas. We come to church. I think pretty much you've all heard all of the Christmas sermons you think you need. So I had to kind of adjust things a little bit this year and do things a little bit different. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to preach on the incarnation. Does anybody know what that is? That's when God, in, incarnation is deity becoming united with humanity in an individual. Why did he do it? All right, let's start. God who at various times and various places spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. He has in the last days spoken to us by his son, whom he's appointed heir of all things, to whom he made the worlds, who be in the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he hath by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, and became so much better than angels, he has by an inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Let's pray. Father, Christmas season right now, and I ask you to bless this message. Uh, we'll leave church today with a greater revelation of you and why you did what you did, and we thank you for it impacting our lives in a positive way. In Jesus' name, amen. We just read a scripture right here. It says, God in various times and various places spoke in times past. I want you to think about this for a minute, that for 4,000 years, nobody knew God. Adam knew God, but people didn't know God. They heard about him. So prophets came and prophesied things from God, but who knew him? Most of the people who heard about God, had an image of him, some of it true, some of it not true. But he was very elusive and never made himself very well known. Now, there are certain things. Go to Exodus with me, chapter 20. There was a time he was talking to Moses here. And I want to read this to you because... It pretty much sums up the way the people in the earth thought about God. It summed up the way I thought about God before I met him. It says here, God is, God is on the mountain. It says in verse 18, And all the people witnessed the thundering, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. And they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but don't let God talk to us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, don't fear, God has come to test you that you may fear before him and may not sin. So the people stood afar off and Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Now I want you to just get an image of this. They're watching this mountain that is smoking and thunders and lightning and they said, you go talk to him. We're, we're not even going, we don't even want to be a part of this. You go down there and talk to this guy, and you come down here and tell us what he said. There's obvious a real image of the fact that God is God. And we're like, uh, we don't think we want to know this guy. 
I think the world right now is looking around, and I'm not sure they know what God is like. A lot of people don't know what God is like now. But there has been indications of what he's like in the world that he made. And I want to use some of them right now, and let's, let's go over this a little bit. I, I have always, well, I haven't always, that's not true, always. Later in life, I started noticing things that I didn't notice when I was a kid. For instance, I remember one year I was sitting in the back porch. I was sitting inside and a big cardinal, big, beautiful red male cardinal flew up. And his fiance, girlfriend, wife, whatever, flew up. She's all nice and brown. He's all beautiful and red. And I said, it's about time you did something with the man. Made him looking good there. And I began to look at this bird and I began to ask myself, I began to realize God put a lot of detail into one bird. Then it started dawning on me that he did that with everything. So the the more you slow down and begin to study nature, every insect, every animal from the rabbit to the lion to the eagle, he made it and he put a lot of thought into everything he did. I was looking at birds one day, and I was studying them, and I realized all of birds' wings are hollow. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? How does it get? They have no bone marrow like all the other animals. But yet God had some way of doing it. And then I, if you've ever owned horses, have you ever noticed that God on purpose made a place in their mouth for a bit? What, who, who thinks of that much detail? Then, one day, I got to looking at the solar system, you know, through uh, the, the Hubble telescope, which is amazing. When, when, when you go and look at the pictures the Hubble is bringing back, it's, it's astounding at what's out there that we can't even see. How many galaxies are there? Billions? Let's think about the solar system we live in right now. We have an Earth spinning with nothing under it, in the middle of nowhere, around the sun, the exact perfect distance from the sun that is the exact correct size on an exact axis, turning exactly the right speed around the sun and a solar system where all the other planets their, their um, uh, gravitational pull is keeping our planet perfect. Now, when you stop and think about that, you go, there's a God. There is no way that happened. So when you look at the detail, you know someone made it. So I had a guy argue with me one time, and he said, well, you know, it just all happened. And I said, really? Kind of like a Coke. Thousands of years, it, the Coke was in there, the can was there, and it got a paint job. Right? Yeah, you can believe that. You can believe anything. So how do you think that a human being's eye that's over 100,000 times more intricate than, a t- than any camera happened? So somebody is up there making all this. So even though we didn't know God very well, There was indications of what he's like.
Well, then we have, finally, God goes, I think I want them to know what I'm, he's like. And so I want to go back to, to um, uh, Hebrews, and I want to read that again. And I want to slow down. Hebrews 1. Now look at this scripture. It says, has in the last days spoken to us by his son. So we have a lot of, when you're reading the Bible, there's a lot of things in it that are confusing. For instance, it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Does that mean that God went, you over there? I'm going to use you to, um, to tick off, tick me off, and then I'm going to use you. Of course, you're going to go to hell whether you want to or not. And there's people who believe that. But it says God hardened his heart. It almost seems as though God did it and the man had no choice. But, but is that true? So there's a lot of stuff in the Bible when you're reading it. And you think to yourself, what's, what's he like? So finally God goes, I'm going to go down there myself. So when we see Jesus, you see exactly what the Father's like. So I'm going to ask you a question. How many people did Jesus knock in the head in order to train them? Nobody. How many people did Jesus condemn to hell? They came, I need mercy. I'll go to hell. You know that scripture? I don't know it either. So he took the mystery out of what God is like. I want to tell you a story that I got from Paul Harvey, and some of y'all have probably heard it. If you have, hold your horses, let me tell it. And if you don't like the way I tell it, you can find it on YouTube. It's called The Man and the Birds. But there's a story on YouTube to tell about the Christmas, and, and um, there was a man his wife said, his wife and kids said to him, you want to go to Christmas Eve service with us tonight? We're going to go sing at church. And he goes, no. He said, I don't really want to go with you. He says, he said, honey, quite frankly, I'm having a hard time with a God that would become a human. He said, I, he said, I just can't buy the whole uh, God, Emmanuel, God among us, walking among us. He said, it's just kind of hard for me to swallow it. He says, you go and go to church and I'll, be, I'll just stay home, take care of things around here. So the woman and the kids get in the car and take off church. He goes over there and sits by the fire, picks up a magazine. Right after he sat down, it began to snow. Snow started coming down outside and he opens up the front door and the yard's just full of snow. And he goes back and sits down and throws another log on the fire. All of a sudden, he hears a thump. He goes, thump, thump. And he goes, what, are kids out there throwing snowballs at my window? So he goes out in front and opens up the front door. And there's a whole flock of birds that had gotten caught in the snowstorm and they had seen the light through the window and they were trying to get in. And they were hitting the glass on the window and boom, boom. And he goes, oh, shoot, stupid bird. And he goes out there and he, tries, he says, he says I, I tell you, he says, I can't just leave them out here. They're just laying in the snow and they're going to freeze to death. 
He said, I got to help him. So he, he remembers the barn where the kids kept their pony, and he goes out and he turns the light on and opens the barn door, and he goes, if I turn the light on, the birds will see the light, and they'll head to the barn. Well, he goes and opens up the barn door, and the birds just sit in the snow. They don't do anything. He goes, oh, bird. So he goes in the house, he gets some breadcrumbs and crackers, and he goes out and he makes this big food line all the way to the barn door to get the birds to go into the barn. And when he got finished, the birds just sat there in the snow. And he goes, what's it going to take? So he gets behind them and he starts shooing them into the barn. Trying, and the birds just fly up in his face and start swinging around. And, they just, and then they just fall back down in the snow. And he goes, oh, God, I'm trying to help you. And then he says, you know, what, what is it going to take? He said, I'm... I, he says, I, I've got to be a terror to these birds. I'm scaring these birds to death. This big monster is waving his arms at these birds. and They don't know I'm trying to help them. And he looks at the birds and goes, man, if I could just talk to you. He said, maybe if I was a bird, I could come down there and talk to you and help you to understand what you need to do to get to the light. And as he stood there, the bells to the church started ringing, and he heard them in there singing about Jesus, and he dropped to his knees and looked up to heaven and said, Oh, that's what you did. That's what you did. That's a beautiful story, but it's very, very much like God. Why did he come? The Bible says in John 10, 10, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. God has a dream. Let me, let me read a scripture to you before we get through here. It says Isaiah 9, 6. Pop it up on the screen. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We know the story of the incarnation. The incarnation is when God took on humanity. But why? And I, read, and I told you the story a while ago of the universe. Have you ever wondered why God made the stars? Why did he make a solar system? Why did he do everything he did that he did? Because God is more like you and I than we know. God wanted a family. He didn't have any family. He knew, he counted the cost, knew that if he was going to make a family, he'd have to give them free will. And he weighed out the fact that it's possible that they wouldn't follow him. Then he decided, well, but love drove him to do what he did. I want kids. Now that's powerful. When you realize that the most important thing on this earth is people. What is the one thing that God values above 
everything people. What should you and I value above all else? People. It says, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Ephesians chapter 3, go over there and look. I want to show you a scripture. 3, 14. For this reason I bow my knee to the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now, this is going to date me and it's going to make you realize that I'm older Nothing wrong with being older. I didn't say I'm old. I said I'm older. But there was a time when I was young that I didn't think like I think. I thought, I just want a job. I just want money. I want me a new truck. I want this. I want that. And I thought things were valuable. One day, though, I I was disciplining one of my sons. I was not happy. And the Lord said to me, do you want to spend eternity without him? I said, no, sir. He said, I want you to change. All of a sudden, my perspective of what I wanted changed because of I don't think I could bear going to heaven and looking around and all of my kids not being there. How do you think God feels? Now, you understand something about God, something about the way he is, is a lot about the way you are. I want to tell you a story of a sermon. It wasn't a sermon. Um, I can't remember what it was. Um, where's Justin? What's the guy's name? I can't even think of the guy. Anyway, I was, I was last night I was listening to this guy, uh, Carlton, uh, anyway, the guy's on Fox News. Car- Tucker, what's his name? Tucker Carlson. Well, his name seems to be backwards for some reason. But he was speaking at a university to a bunch of kids. And he started off his little talk and he said, okay, he said, Here I am, a conservative, in a leftist school, and you're wanting to know, what does this old guy have to say to me? And he says, let's talk about this. And he's not talking about God. He's not talking about Jesus. He said, when I first started in in television business, I was a very strong right winger, and I thought everything in life came down to right versus left. Those Marxist left versus us constitutional conservatives. He said, and I thought everything wrapped around that thought process. He said, but one year ago, all of that changed for me. He said, I'm still a right winger. He said, but I started watching the news and I started noticing that all the people that were burning businesses down were burning little businesses down, not the big ones. And then he says, I also noticed that all of the ones that were after the cops were after the ones on the beat that make $50,000 a year, not the FBI. So it really wasn't that they were after um, the businesses. 
It wasn't that they were after the cops. They're after the little men. He said, and then I began to realize that the problem today is not necessarily left and right, but it's big versus little because the little man is standing in the way of the big guy. I want you to think about what I'm going to say right now. The corporations on this earth don't love you. They don't even know you. They don't know your first name. They don't know your last name. And they don't care if you live or die. How big is Google? Is it the fourth largest in the world? It's not. It's up there. There's a problem when a business gets so large and the only thing that drives it is money. So why do they want you not to have children? Because that messes up their bottom line. They would rather you not have children, come to work for them, give them the best years of your life, and then go off and have kids. So they talk a lot about put it off, don't get involved in that, no children, destroy the family, because it's destroying the bottom line. Why are they pro-gender? They don't give a rip if you're a male or female. As long as you make them money. Then he makes a statement. You only have about eight people in your life that would actually lay down their life for you and they care about whether you live, die, sink, or swim. He said, the things that are the most important in your life are the people that are right around you. Now, let's, let's go down this road for a second. It's not how much money you make. So he says this. Now, he said it. I tend to agree with it. If you're young, get married. Start a family. Don't wait until you get the money. Do it broke. All the old people help me out a little bit. I just want to make it in the world, and I just want to make it in business. And then after I've made my way in life, well, then I'll start a family. Well, listen, you know what you're wasting? Precious time. I kind of got y'all to amen. And all you young people fixing to get married over there going, amen, brother, hallelujah. I'm not prophesying to anybody, but Ty Ty's in church today. Somebody pray, Amen. So I'm going to go back over my life a little bit, and let me, let me share something with you. When, when I met Lisa, I didn't have a dime. I was supernaturally broke. I remember the first Christmas right before we got married. We didn't have any money. You know what I did for a date? I took her to a Christmas tree farm with a bag of Brazil nuts and a hammer. We sat there and listened to him play Christmas carols, cracked Brazil nuts and sang Christmas carols, sitting in a parking lot and creating some of the best memories I've ever had. We would go to my house and sit and listen to Christmas music or Christian music, and we planned our life. If I'm going to do life, 
I'm going to do it with somebody I love. And I began to create memories with a woman that I fell in love with. I didn't wait till I had money. I remembered when we first got married, we, we bought a mobile home. Now, y'all don't condemn me. I paid $100 for it. And I'm not going to tell you what it looked like because it would scare you. I didn't even let Lisa see it. It was so molded and mildewed, I had to pressure wash the gunk off the side of it and paint it. I covered it in enough paint that it looked like it had at least halfway new. The inside floors were rotted, so I went in there and laid plywood down, and I went down to an to a, um, outlet place and got a bunch of carpet Disney threw away. Carpeted the floors. I decided that when we build a house, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need appliances. So I put all new appliances in it, and I moved my family into a $100 mobile home. You're sitting there going, "Oh, you did not." Yeah, I did. <laughs> I got the boys a swimming pool. It was four feet by one foot, and I can still remember to this day the boys running through the pasture and diving in it and doing belly flops in it. Later, we got an above-ground pool. We were so rich. And I can remember Josh jumping off the side of it and doing cannonballs on Justin's head. Finally, one day, we got a little bit of extra money, and we bought him a pony. What was it, Opie? Was it Opie, the pony's name? Lisa's not even paying any attention to me. His name was Opie. Opie. Now, I remember Joshua. He was riding through the pasture with his cowboy guns on. And he decided to shoot one like gospel bill right over the horse's head. The horse went left. Josh kept going straight. <laughs> and I told Lisa, I said, where is the camera right now? We could have made a lot of money off of watching Josh sailing through the pasture without a horse. $10,000. Well, one of the things that we had was a lot of memory and a lot of fun and a lot of love. And I built that little house. $72,000, and I used a ortho how to build a playhouse book, and I supersized it like Wendy's does. <laughs> now, Lisa asked me why I didn't build any other house. I, I, I couldn't, if it wasn't square, I don't think I could have built it. <laughs> but it was my first attempt at building anything, and it turned out that it was just a, a huge doghouse. But it was home. We made a lot of memories there, and I look back now, and I think those are some of the best days of my life. But what made, it, what made it precious to me was that we were doing life together. Now, we have money now. Thank God for money. But I didn't wait until I had money to start building memories. Let me tell you something that's valuable to me. People. People are valuable. God's greatest the what he thinks is valuable is you. I want to read a scripture to you, may I? Ephesians 2, 4. God who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. God has this thing about people. So, if you don't mind, I want to tell you a story. And... Mark Hankins has freed me from the fear of repetition. I've heard Mark Hankins preach some of the same messages over and over and over, and I love them every time he preaches them. So I'm going to tell a story that I've told before. 
And if you don't know it, ask Melanie Hayward. She can tell it to you. Right after I got born again, I was very confused about God. I had, I had a, an issue with him because I'd always seen him as being God, not Father. I didn't have a father. My father was absent. It was not there. My idea of a father, I had none. What's it like? So God began to teach me things in the Bible to try to help me with my disconnect. Even though I'm born again, even though I'm going to church, even though I read he loves me, I still don't understand him. So I've got another scripture. I'm going to read it before uh, we turn there. Matthew 13. So God would often come into my bedroom at night and say, want to hear a story? And what he was doing was he was trying to get me to understand him, kind of like the man and the birds. I'm born again. He loves me. He's helping me. But my concept of him is not correct. I see him as stern. I see him as legalistic. I see him as harsh and hard. Even though he wasn't, even though it, it kind of amazed me at how merciful he had been to me, I figured like people, it won't last long, he'll quit. Everyone else does. So one night he comes in the bedroom and he goes, you want to hear a story? I want to read this to you for a minute before I start. Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all he had and he bought it. One night laying in my bed, the Lord says, want to hear a story? I said, yes, sir. He said, there was a man who was very wealthy, had everything. He had a mansion. He had servants. He had butlers. He had property with cattle and horses. And he said he lacked nothing. said he had a car for every day of the week. He had a Mercedes. He had a Porsche. He had a Bentley. He had a Doodlebug, Volkswagen. He had one for every day of the week, kind of like Zach over there. He even had a pickup truck. He had a boat. He had a ski boat. He had a bass boat. He had a yacht. He's got a little airplane. He's got a jet. And the, man, and the man's just got everything. But there's one thing he didn't have was any children. And he wanted children. He looked around the house and he went, I, I, I need some kids. I mean, I have all this wealth and I have no family. He says, I know what I'm going to do. And he got up and headed down to the local orphanage. And he walks in and the lady goes, he goes, I'm down here. I want to look at adopting a child. And she says, well... You know you can only have one. She, he goes, that, I'm good with that. I'm good. So he gives, she gives him the paperwork, and he fills the paperwork out. When he got finished, she says, well, you definitely qualify. And he walks in, and he looks at a room about the size of our foyer, and it's full of children and babies and kids. And he says the first thing he noticed was a baby carriage with a brand-new newborn baby in it. And he walks up and he looks over in that carriage and he goes, 
Oh my gosh, this baby's so cute. I could take this baby home and all this baby would ever know is me. I would be daddy, it would never know anything else. And he goes, I should get me a brand newborn baby. And he looks up and to the right side of the room was a little boy with a baseball bat and a glove and a ball sitting there just looking at the man and he thought to himself, this little boy needs a dad. He don't have a dad. He said, I could take this little boy, I could get him his own ball field. I could hire his own ball team to play with him. He said, look at the things I could do with this boy. And he looks over on the left side of the room, and there's a little girl sitting there in a little yellow dress and a little yellow bow in her hair with a Barbie doll. And he goes, God, she's cute. She has got to be the prettiest little girl I've ever seen. And he says, imagine me, what I could do. Buy her all Barbies, dolls, playhouses. I could build her a playhouse, and she could be a little mommy. And then when she got older, I could get her a Corvette, and she'd be Barbie. He said, just imagine what I could do with this little girl. And he looked up in the back of the room. The back of the room was a whole bunch of teenagers that nobody had ever adopted. They've already given up all hope. They're not coming forward. They're just sitting back, their arms crossed. Ain't nobody taking us. We're too old. He said, these kids have never had any love. They've never been loved. They grew up in an orphanage, no parents at all. He said, I really ought to take one of them and give them the life they never had. And when he got finished, the lady looked at him and said, which one do you want? And he goes, I don't have any idea. He said, let me go home and think about this. Went home that night and thought about it. And the next morning he came back to the orphanage. And he said, let me, let me, let me just go in there one more time. I got to make a decision. But the more he thought about it, the baby, the little boy, the little girl that he the more undecided he became. How do you pick one over another? He went home again that night and he rolled around his bed and tossed and turned. And then he got an idea. Woke up the next morning and sold the airplanes and sold the boats and half the cattle and took a big old huge bunch of money and walks into the orphanage and the lady goes, which one do you want? He goes, I'm buying the orphanage. I'm laying in my bed, and I'm crying because God's telling me this story, and it's absolutely beautiful. And he asked me a question. He said, have you ever heard of the pearl of great price? I said, yes, sir. That's when I, I gave up everything to be saved. He said, what did you have when I found you? I said, Nothing. I went, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he said, the pearl of great price, son, is I'm God. I'm up here in heaven. I have everything. And what I wanted the most was the people on the earth. He said, I left heaven. I came to the earth. I paid right down to the blood in my body to buy you. You are the pearl of great price. Now, you can understand me laying there in the bed, and God is telling me this story. 
And I'd never really seen him as a daddy. He has all the emotions we have. He has all the feelings we have. God is a lot like you and I. I am done with people who don't want to know me. I'm not mad at people, but if you don't like me, I'm really not going to waste a lot of time with you. I'm, I'm tired of groveling after people who don't want a relationship with me. But I'm going to tell you this. People walk in this church and they go, Pastor, we'd like to know you. You've got my attention. And I will help you. Lisa and I have poured our lives into people. Some of them stay. Some of them walk. Do we stop? No. Have you ever thought that maybe God is a lot like that? Did it ever dawn on you that he's really not chasing you? But I will tell you, you turn your attention toward him, and he'll run at you with everything he's got. So people ask, what's he like? Well, I think he's like Jesus. And I think it's time that we started to be in a lot more like Jesus. What is valuable to you? Your next car? Your house? That, what's, what on your deathbed? Man, I could have done one more deal. I could have made a little more money. Where are you right now? I want to tell you another story. It's, it's about my life. And my daughter Ashley's not here. Matter of fact, my Che, my other daughter's over there waving her by Che. We call her Che Che. But years ago, I didn't have a relationship with my daughter Ashley. I had gone through a divorce. Ashley had gotten misinformation about me. Was not true. One day, Ashley goes to a counselor. She's having problems. The counselor asks her, Ashley, how's your relationship with your father? She goes, eh, not very good. She said, when's the last time you talked to him? She goes, ah, it's been a long time. And so the counselor looks at Ashley and says, why don't you call him up and go have lunch with him? She goes, it wouldn't do any good. She goes, how do you know? Well, I'll do it, but I already know. He's a jerk. That's what I've heard. Ashley calls me on the phone and says, Dad, this is Ashley. Want to do lunch? And I went, sure. Long lost daughter. Now, you see, I had done everything I could. I've reached over the fence as far as, I, as far as I can reach, but any move is on Ashley's end. I've reached and prayed and called and done all I can do till the day Ashley calls me. And she said, I knew that when I met you for lunch, it wasn't going to turn out very well. Everything that I'd ever heard about you is going to be true. And But I'm going to do it just because the counselor asked me to. 
So we meet at the catfish house, and we sat back, and for two hours we talked. When we got through talking, my daughter reaches up, puts her arm around me. I'm so glad I came. We've been talking every week since. She met the dad she didn't know. And everything she heard about me was not true. And she said, well, I said, well, don't criticize anybody. Just you and me need to spend some time together and make up for lost time. How many of you guys have avoided God because of things you heard? I want to say something, and I don't want y'all to be mad at me. I don't like Christian movies. They're all bad. Every one of them start off with someone that God bust in the head and spends a whole movie trying to vindicate how a sovereign God could be good, though knocking you in the head. I hate them because they're not true. I wish somebody would make one right. Maybe, maybe, and I've talked to people. I said, what's God like? Well, and they give me their opinion. I said, well, I don't remember Jesus ever doing that. I remember the woman he met one day that was caught in adultery. He had mercy on her. I remembered when he met Matthew, the tax collector, and he had mercy on him. I remembered when Peter fell away and denied him, he went and found Peter and brought him back. I said, I don't think the God you know is the same as the God I know. The God we know, he says, I came that you'd have life and have it more abundantly. And let me tell you why we have Christmas. God desires above everything a family forever. And there will come a day when he'll return and we'll all go home to be together. And we'll get to be back with all the people that have gone on. The family in heaven and earth. There's a family in heaven and there's a family on earth. And God is a good God. Now if if you're running from him, let me make a statement to you. You might want to call him up and have lunch. You might meet somebody that you've heard some stories about that aren't exactly true. Well, when I got to know him, I was in the doctor's office the other day, and my doctor is an atheist. And the doctor's not. What do you call that girl? What is she? Agnostic? No, she's, she's an atheist. What do you call her, her title? She's a, oh, a, physician's a physician's assistant. Those are the people that does all the work. Yeah. Doctor gets all the money. They do all the work. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. so she looks at me, and, I'm, and, and of course, you, you spend about two minutes around me anywhere. We're going to talk about Jesus. And she says, well, you know, I'm an atheist. And I said, <laughs> she said, I don't believe in God. And I said, yeah, and God don't believe in atheists. And I told her, I says, your problem is you don't know him. You've heard a lot of wrong information. And I got her attention for a few minutes, and she listened for a few minutes. And then finally, when she'd had enough, she said, I got to go back to work. And I said, you know, I knew that was coming. 
I said, but you might want to pick up a Bible one day and read about the guy you don't know anything about. I said, there's no such thing as an atheist. Anyway, I don't know where you are today, but that's between you and God. And I want to do, I want to ask you one more thing before I close. What is, what's valuable to you? The older you get, it needs to become people. I value highly relationships. I value friendships. I value them so much that I realize that it's work to have friends. In order to be a friend, you must be friendly. That means there is an effort to having people around you. But I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm only 67, so don't call me old. I think the new age for seniors should be 99 or something like that. Lisa asked me one time, you go in the seniors? I went, I'm not old. I went to McDonald's one day or Wendy's or someplace I was in there, and the lady gave me a senior citizen's discount when I was 50, and I went, excuse me, I am not taking that. I am not an old man. So as I get older, Christmas is a very special time to me. I remember growing up with my mom and my brothers and my sisters. We didn't have stuff for the tree. We took popcorn and popped it in the living room and, and strung it. I ate it. Robin and Nancy strung it. <laughs> Screamed at me for eating the Christmas ornaments. But those are, those are precious times to me growing up a family where there was a lot of love. May not have been a lot of money. Not against money. But I want you to look around you right now, and I want you to think, if some of you came in here today, and, there, and there's relationships that are, that are stressed, I want you to do what you need to do. man in the church one time, he says, don't burn bridges behind you. You might want to go back over them. I've just made up my mind I'm not burning bridges. If someone's not where I think they should be, I'm going to love them where they are. And let them grow from there. My days of being mean are over. It don't work anyway. I told the story one Wednesday. I'm going to tell it to you right now. I always thought my job was to make you obey God. I'm responsible for you. One day I was hanging around with Shekinah Glory and Cindy and Lois, and I had been acting like a jerk, but it didn't change Cindy, and it didn't change Lois's love for me. My being a jerk did not stop them from loving me, and I liked it. I like being around people who love me because of my heart, not the stupid things I do. And I began to think, maybe I should be more like that too. Thank y'all. People want to know they're loved. There's a song that we sang years ago, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. If anywhere, you ought to get in church. There's people all around you. Some of them have disappointed you. Some of them have done stupid things. 
Love them anyway. God loved you when you were a worthless sinner. Could we not at least love someone who's born again and just not quite perfect? Amen. I want you to, I want you to do something. This Christmas season, I want you to just do one thing. Place value where value should be. If you're a person and all you're thinking about right now is what you could get for Christmas, and if you don't get it, I'll buy it for myself. I'm talking to you. Your priorities are messed up. But I'm going to tell you something. When we have Christmas dinner and Steve and Che come walking in and Cody and Tyler. and The other day, Lisa sat down with Reagan. Reagan came over to the house and said, I want to get right with God. And Lisa prayed with her. She went home praying in the Holy Ghost and led five of her friends to Jesus. You know what that did to me? Yes. I want my kids around me. I want my grandkids around me. To me, it's more valuable than gold. Father God, I want to thank you for this morning. We're celebrating Christmas. We're celebrating a God that loved us enough that like the man with the birds, you scared us. So you came down. You walked among us so we would know what you were like. And then you took your blood, you shed it on a cross, and you paid our debt. Just like the story you told me. And you love each and every one of us. I really believe you're waiting for some of us to quit slow down long enough and turn our attention to you. Father, I know there's people in here right now that don't have the fellowship with you that they need. And I pray they'll walk out today and go, I will get to know him. I want to say thank you for the day Ashley walked back into my life. And you gave me my daughter back. There's people here, your sons and daughters. And I know you want them to come home. And I pray in a moment that some of them will just get up and walk up here in the front with Lisa. Just bow the knee and go, I didn't know. But I want to come home and I want to get to know you. I think you're waiting on some of us. There's also another group in here that we've had friends before and people and we became judgmental. Kind of threw them out. Maybe we need to pick some of those relationships back up. Make a phone call, make a cake, buy a gift, and get the people that are so valuable to us and bring them back in our life and put the past behind us. If you're here today and I just, that's you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand up as I embarrass you to come forward. But I am going to ask you to right where you are, do what the man did in the snow and go, I just didn't know. Maybe you'll come up to be prayed for. Maybe you'll do it all alone. I'm going to ask you to come home. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas.
Praise the Lord. Miss Colleen, if you can throw this on the screen, that'd be great. Isaiah 9, 6. I just want to read this to you. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Who gave the son? God did. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, the son's shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Jesus' name is called Wonderful. He's called the Mighty God. He's called the Prince of Peace. He's the everlasting image of the Father, someone you can actually touch. He's very physical and he's very spiritual. He actually has a body forever because he did it for us. He'll never be back to where he was before he left. He's the everlasting image of the Father. And so this morning, he loves you so much. And if you're here this morning, and my altar workers can come forward, if you're here this morning and says, I don't know Jesus, Jesus is not sitting up in heaven waiting to bop you over the head. His name is called Wonderful. He loves you. His name is called Mighty God. His name is called, he's the Prince of Peace. He's not the Prince of Confusion. Hell was not created for people. Amen? You might have heard that. You're going to hell. I'm thinking about Charlie Daniels right now. He's got a song called something about like that. But he is, it's a, it's a great song. But the truth is, is hell was created for the devil. But the reason people go is because they don't choose God. I mean, listen, God is like you. He made you in his image. You're like God. If you had a string of people lined up in front of your house and, and five of them had a good heart and they want to do good things for you, you'd let those five come in. But three of them, you love them all, but three of them are going to continue to do bad and hurt those people that are inside your house. Are you going to let them come in the house? No, it's the same with God. The kingdom of God. But he wants you to choose. So if you're here this morning, you say, you know, I want to know this wonderful, mighty God, Prince of Peace. I want to say yes to him. It's the only thing you have to do is, is to physically make a stand and say, yes, I accept Jesus. Jesus, I accept you. Thank you for the gift of yourself to me at Christmas time. I accept you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe that God the Father raised you again, and you're sitting at his right hand, and I accept I do not reject you. All you have today is I accept today. And they'll help pray with you. Zach, Amber, Teresa, Tiffany, if you don't know how to say that prayer, they'll pray the prayer. You just follow them. It's simple, but they will help you. And if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life and prayed that prayer, come up this morning. Don't wait. And if you want prayer for any other reason, they're here to help you through, to help you pray. Amen. To help you successfully get a hold of God. They're not God for you, but sometimes we need a little help in how to approach God. Amen. Jesus loves every one of you. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. 
we also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.